head hopping. No matter whose point of view you're writing in, you may be in only one head per scene. Thus, since George began the scene in Slevin's head, Sullivan's rather, head, there she must stay. Why? Because switching point of view in the middle of a scene is often so jarring, it instantly breaks the flow. It looks something like this. Anne paced, wondering when Jeff would snap out of it and tell her what happened. Had he finally told his wife, Michelle, about them? Why did he look so heartbroken? She wanted to be a good thing, but try as she might, she couldn't come up with a single hopeful reason why he would sit hunched in the corner of the couch, staring at the frayed rug that she realized was in dire need of cleaning. When she could stand it no longer, she turned to him, Jeff, what is it? What's wrong? She knows, Jeff thought. I can feel it. Sure, I told Michelle about her. Who knew she'd laugh and say, go ahead, run off with that loser. I bet she's the kind of woman who has a house full of dirty rugs. I've been such a fool, but how do I tell Anne it's over? Maybe if I just sit here and stare at the rug, she'll figure it out. Women are pretty intuitive that way, aren't they? When Jeff didn't answer, Anne's heart sank. It could mean only one thing. He told Michelle and she'd mentioned that dirty rug thing again. She's been obsessed with it ever since she opened that rug cleaning business back in March. God, Jeff is such a fool. Disorienting, isn't it? So why do writers do it? because they see it as the only way to convey information that is crucial to the scene. But is it? Not exactly. There is, in fact, a language that speaks louder than words. Let's have a listen, shall we? Body language. Imagine you're walking down the street and turn a corner, and two blocks up, you see a figure ambling away. Although from behind it could be anyone, you instantly recognize your best friend. How? By his gait. Welcome to the world of body language. Body language is the one language it's impossible to really lie in. As Steven Pinker says, intention comes from emotions, and emotions have evolved displays on the face and body. Unless you're a master of the Stanislavski method, you will have trouble faking them. In fact, they probably evolved because they were hard to fake. In other words, body language is the first thing we humans learn to decode, because even back in the Stone Age, we knew that what a person, that what a person grunts and what he really means might be two very different things. The same is true of your protagonist. In story, the goal is to show us how a character really feels especially when there's a big discrepancy between what he wants to say and what he can say through his body language. The most common mistake writers make is using body language to tell us something we already know. If we know Anne is sad, why would we want a paragraph describing what she looks like when she's crying? Rather, body language should tell us something we don't know. At its most effective, it tells us what's really going on inside the character's head. This is why 
body language works best when it's at odds with what's happening, either by telling us something that the character doesn't want known. Quote, Adam pretends to be completely calm but can't stop her right foot from nervously jittering. End quote. Or by dashing a character's expectations, such as, Anne expects Jeff to be glad he's finally left Michelle. Instead, he sits there, hunched, staring mournfully at the embarrassingly dirty rug. We feel Anne's pain, because the author made sure we already knew what she expected, that Jeff would return grinning with luggage. Instead, he's come back frowning with baggage. Unless we are aware of both what Anne wants and what she then gets instead, all the body language in the world will be rendered mute. This sounds obvious, but you'd be surprised how often writers forget to, to forget to let us know what a character hopes will happen, so that when it doesn't, we have no idea their expectations have been dashed. With that in mind, let's revisit Anne and Jeff, this time using body language to convey the information. Begin quote. Finally, when she could stand it no longer, Anne turned to him. Jeff, what is it? What's wrong? Did you tell Michelle about us or not? Jeff said nothing, slouching further into the sagging couch, eyes downcast as Anne paced back and forth with such force that dust flew from the mangy rug. She saw him glance at her face, his eyes quickly darting away and quickened her stride. Anne's heart sank. She knew Michelle must have mentioned the dirty rug thing again. Why else would he just sit there staring at the damn carpet, the coward? He was probably waiting for her to figure it out and send him packing. Jeff's such a fool, she thought. I'm better off without him. End quote. In this version, even though we don't hear the exact details of what Michelle said to Jeff, Anne's insights go a long way toward filling us in on their dynamic and see how clearly we understood what Jeff was thinking simply by reading his body language. Since we know what Anne wants, Jeff, and what she's realizing she's not going to get, which is Jeff, her body language told us what was going on in her head as she paced, just as Jeff's body language reveals his reaction to hers. It is purely visual. It works because, story-wise, we know what it means, emotionally, to both of them. Otherwise, the scene would be opaque. Sure, we'd know something intense is going on between them, but we'd have no idea what. But wait, instead of all that, couldn't you just leap in and tell the reader how they're feeling? And while you're at it, give us a heads up on who's right and who's being a little bit of a jerk. I mean, what if the reader gets it wrong? And that brings us to another common pitfall. Editorializing. It's what writers resort to when they don't trust the reader to get it. 